0: Welcome to this special podcast. Uh, With me in studio is Colin Coleman. He is the head of Goldman Sachs in South Africa. Colin, welcome to the show. Um, I want to start with Team SA's performance uh, at the World Economic Forum's uh, annual general meeting in Davos. South Africa has sent a big delegation to Davos for the past few years um, and again this year. And there seems to be a a good message from South Africa, a unified message. Um, You know, we're open for business what is your uh, perception of what happened there?
1: Well, I think what you're seeing, and I've been to many, Davos was not at this one, but what you're seeing is that the work we've done in the last year between government, business, and labor in presenting a unified message about modernizing and reforming South Africa has produced a sort of good working relationship between these parties. And the people that we represented from the cabinet, from labor and from business have all been party to that. So it's kind of a united front approach, I think. Uh, And these are generally the modernizers and reformers in South Africa, absent from that those delegations were the patronage network and those who uh, have generally been attacking the reformist movement.
0: But there doesn't seem to be a unified message. Um, You know, it's easy to go to Davos and to be positive and to sell the country, But there's definitely not consensus on the way forward. And we have a lot of political infighting, especially about the economy. You know, how do you marry these two?
1: There's effectively a sharp division within the ANC. There are two effective movements within the ANC. And this is what's reflecting in your question is, you know, there are a bunch of people in the ANC as we head into the December elective conference and into the June Consultative conference and policy conference of the ANC who are positioning themselves for hegemony within the ANC. And on the one side, you have the modernist reformers led effectively by Saramaposa. And on the other hand, you have a patronage network which is effectively trying to, in a sort of traditionalist sense, take control of state resources and effectively capture those resources for their political constituency this is uh, you know a worldwide phenomenon and effectively what we have is a battle for the soul of the ANC that's playing out and we'll see how that develops in the course of this year this is a critical year you know depending on how this very debate works out the future of South Africa for many decades will hinge on it
0: From an international perspective, you're heading up the local operation of a big international investment bank. You don't regard what you're seeing here as unique. Um, It is just political turmoil like you would see in, in, in any other country. Is it as simple as that?
1: In fact, I would characterize it rather differently. I would say that, you know, if you look back a year, what you see is the evidence of the institutional strength of South Africa's democracy coming to bear. You see the resilience of the business community, you see a remarkable trend which is under-emphasized in the narrative around where South Africa is going, which is a growing unity between labor and business interests. This is a very interesting phenomenon, particularly because we've seen a great division within labor and between labor and business. And as business has got more organized, as labor, I think, has seen uh, where its interests lie in terms of What's benefiting its members and economic growth, and, and so on and so forth? There's tended to be a growing working relationship between business and labor that I would project and forecast will develop, in all likelihood, in 2017 to a much stronger unity. This could be a very important factor in the politics and the economics of South Africa in this coming year. So these factors around the institutional democratization, the strength and the resilience of business and the growing sort of working relationship between business and labor. We see it, for example, in the employment sector and we'll come to maybe talking about what we're doing around employment creation and internships may well differentiate South Africa in the emerging market world. So when you look at some of these markets like Russia where there is a lack of institutional uh, strength, you have... You know, really, the Putin government being all powerful and civil society effectively very weak. Uh, In Brazil, you have other factors. In Turkey, you have other factors. South Africa actually stands out. And this is part of what has saved us from a downgrade of our credit rating. South Africa stands out as strong, notwithstanding some of this political noise. Mm
0: -hmm. I just want to come back to your remarks regarding the relationship between labor and uh, the business sector. Last year was characterized by really low business and investor confidence levels. Um, Do you foresee or do you think, you know, those confidence levels may improve in this year based on that, you know, improved relationship?
1: Well, I think, you know, there's a very Good wind blowing around emerging markets from a point of view of a bottoming out of the commodity prices. Generally, a forecast that for the first year, we may see positive growth in Brazil, in Russia, in the last three years. Uh, And in South Africa, Goldman Sachs are projecting, forecasting 1.5%. So that's not a great growth rate by any means. We should be at 3% minimum, but it's better than the half a percent we recorded in 2016. Generally speaking, there's a, a much better environment out there for business confidence i would say the backdrop again between labor and business may help this but it's not in and of its own sufficient right because what we need is a regulatory environment a resolution of that's better a resolution of the empowerment problems some of these policy issues throughout state and enterprise and so on that is unlikely to be resolved in this political climate
0: I want to go back to December 2015. Um, I think it was one of the most tumultuous months we've ever had in South Africa. Um, The president fined and there was a big rally from business, including Goldman Sachs and you personally, to engage government to try and get some sort of stability. Do you think that this process has improved the relationship between business and government? Um, You know, the CEO initiative was formed during this time over and above existing structures like NEDLAC and BUSA. Do you think uh, this body was necessary?
1: Look, I think that Nenegate was a shock to the business community and a shock to South Africa. The reality was we stepped back from the brink in the appointment of Pravin Gordon to the post. He's done an outstanding job, by the way. But in a way, more importantly, the rallying of the business community and through the year, the rallying of labor, and that culminating in the national minimum wage, talking of a labour package, the creation of this youth employment services initiative, the announcement of the small and micro enterprise fund, the reappointment of a board of business leadership for South Africa, which is uh, which I'm now on. These things have been very, very important to creating a much more unified, much more serious, much more focused attempt by business and sections of government and labor to come together and drive economic growth and reform.
0: Goldman Sachs has a reputation of being, you know, (laughs) brutally capitalistic. The challenges of South Africa, you know, we've got a lot of uh, social challenges, inequality being one of them. What is your message when you sit around the table with government?
1: Fortunately, a place like South Africa, the issues are so obvious. The issues of inequality, poverty, unemployment, no pro-market person can avoid talking about those issues. And in order to solve those problems, you need high levels of growth and you need job-creating growth. So the idea of inclusive growth is not a South African issue alone. This is a very broad issue in the United States, in the United Kingdom, in Europe and others, You know where the issues of dealing with migration and dealing with various problems of Social issues in countries, including in the Middle East, are at the forefront wherever we exist. So I think we are able to play a very helpful role, hopefully, along with the business community more broadly, in bringing to bear thoughts about how do you drive economic growth? How do you drive small and micro enterprises? How do you drive job creating growth? How do you limit the negative consequences of technology? But at the same time, You know the uh, recalibration of employment as technology evolves. You know Uber being, sort of a, you know very interesting example of, you know displacing taxi workers, but creating a whole new industry of other workers. And if you look at how much jobs have been created in the technology world, yes, they've displaced them from the old style industrial world, but the new jobs that are highly efficient and effective. Obviously, the competition between capital and labor is very, very active. So, you know, these are classic issues, but I think with creativity and smart people, we can solve them.
0: What would you like to see happen this year? You know, you forecast a one and a half percent growth rate, which, as you say, is a lot better than half a percent, but still not what we need. What would you like to see happen this year so that we can get to that trajectory to get to three percent, three percent plus?
1: Look, I, it's really about getting the basics right. You know, the question of the basics being, you know, labor, state owned enterprises, the mining regulation, all of these type of things, but also political leadership. And in a year where political leadership in the one ruling party is about to change, you know, we want to see a smooth political transition. Uh, we want to see a peaceful political transition. And we want to see a fair contest. We don't want to see a contest which is corrupted by. You know, buying of votes of branches and things like that, which will cause instability and potentially violence. So, I think what you want to see is a fair, just, democratic outcome of this elective process. You want to see as sound a governance and a running of the state and effective appointments in the state as possible in this period. You don't want to see silly things happen, and we don't want to see Uh, the eye completely off the governance ball. You know, we need to implement on these economic reform programs and ultimately we need to save our credit rating through this period. But as I say, I think the overwhelming sort of view of emerging markets in South Africa included starts from a better place. You know, we've protected our investment grade rating. There should be positive growth. There should be some reforms that we can implement and we should be able to keep, hold the center. If I had to sort of say... One thing, South Africa has to hold the center through this period and enter into 2018 onto a firm footing.
0: A lot of shirts. there, you know, South Africa has been known to not ever achieve our full potential, but it's always not as bad as it seems. I want to just quickly discuss another theme that came through um, in Davos, and that is Donald Trump. There may potentially be significant changes happening in the U.S., uh, regulatory changes. We're not quite sure what will change, but what are your perspectives on this election and how it will impact, you know, South Africa?
1: It's very difficult to say at this point in time. You know, I think one would have to say there's certain very experienced people that have been put into the administration, others that I don't personally have a view on or know. How this washes through the administration will have a big impact on the world. You know, there's some people and generally the markets tend to be saying that, Deregulation, lower tax and stimulative economic policy in the United States should drive higher growth in the United States. And on the other hand, you have the trade issues and you have the immigration and Mexico interface issues, which are positive and negatives. And it depends how much uh, on the positives is implemented and it depends how much on the negatives is implemented in terms of its wash-through impacts on real economic growth both in the United States and in the world. Generally speaking, you know our growth forecasts have been slightly revised upward for the United States and slightly revised downwards for the rest of the world. So it's really a wash on a global picture. Obviously, people are concerned about surprises in the world, and we want to avoid them.
0: But there's most definitely a movement towards a more protectionist society. We've seen it in Brexit. We're now hearing it from Donald Trump. Um, several people at Davos warned against that, including the Chinese president. Um, and you know, such policies would greatly change the international dynamic, uh, international trade, and that will have an impact on developing countries like South Africa. Yeah,
1: you know, what you want to avoid is a trade war. You want to avoid a situation in which it's kind of a lose-lose. China does worse; the United States does worse because of conflicts on the trade side. There are plenty of people who are. You know, warning against negative trends on that basis, you know, Nouriel Rubini, for example, Larry Summers, for example, at, both at Davos warned on these points. But the Chinese president's comments at Davos were very pro-trade, very much calling for keeping the doors of international trade wide open and the implementation of climate reforms. The more that trade is open, the the greater the economic growth rates in the world, the better for South Africa and for Africa itself. What we don't want is we don't want China's economy to be negatively impacted because our commodity environment, the currency and so on, is very linked into the prospects for China. Our equity markets are very linked into the prospects for the United States.
0: One consequence may be that the world may see some form of deregulation in the financial sector, And one example is the Dodd-Frank Act, which instituted some very stringent regulations in the U.S. market after the financial crisis. And the Goldman Sachs CEO, Lloyd Blankfein, even stated that these regulations may have had a negative impact on the financial sector. Do you expect some deregulation in the U.S., and do you think that would flow through to other markets like South Africa, where there is a perception that the market uh, or the sector is also overregulated?
1: Well, you know, to just start off by saying bank regulation is a global phenomenon. So whatever happens particularly in the United States has a direct impact on regulation in our markets. And so particularly capital regulation and around proprietary trading, those kinds of issues must be closely watched, there's no question exactly how this evolves one would have to watch. But I think certainly the markets in terms of trading the banks is anticipating and discounting a lowering of the regulation, uh, which should enable more business to be done by the banks and banks already should be earning greater return on equity as a result.
0: Thank you, Colin. That was Colin Coleman. He is the head of Goldman Sachs in South Africa.